Welcome to the Rooted Deep Podcast. I am your co-host, Mr. Carl Bourne Jr. And I am your co-host, Paula Chang. We're really excited that you joined us here for fresh new content each and every week where we get to share not only the stuff that we're learning, but we also get to help you learn new things. Each and every week we pick a book and we talk about some topics from that book and talk about how not only it's helped us enhance our lives, but how it could also help you enhance your life so that you get to be the person you're meant to be and reach your potential. We hope that you are able to receive not only what you wanted to get from this, but we also get to help somebody else's life change. So give this like, share, subscribe, share it out to your friends. Just help everybody know that they too can enhance their lives. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Rudy Deep Podcast. Once again, I am your co-host, Mr. Carl Bourne Jr., and I'm joined by my main guy, Mr. Paul Ching. Paul, what's going on, bro? What's going on, man? How's everybody doing? I say that thinking people are responding, but if they are, how y'all doing? It's okay. Your heart is in the right place, and that's what matters. Amen. <laughs> um, so... This uh, episode, for those of y'all who have been following along, at this point, you know what I'm about to say. We're reading uh, The Wealthy Gardener with John, John S. And um, it's, been, it's been phenomenal with the lessons that we have picked up along the way. And today's episode will be no different. Um, <clears throat> now, today is going to be, I might go on a little bit of a tangent just because this has become like my ranting point as of late. Um but we might go on a tangent, we might not, but we're just going to discuss a few of the things that we got a chance to go over. Um, and in this week's lesson, um, they are compensation, the art of compensation, and then five-year crusades. Um, and you know what? I want to flip it. I actually want to start with the five-year crusades first before we talk about the compensation, because I think this will make sense, right? You'll see where I'm going with this. Um but let me let me start by asking you this question. Is there ever a set amount of time that we can give ourselves to master skills that need to be mastered? In my opinion, I don't think so. I think that I think when you when you allow there to be a time aspect to you mastering something, basically it doesn't properly allow you to be able to master that task efficiently because I feel like once you put a time limit on there in your head you're so stuck on by January 12th I said that I was gonna have this down or a year ago I said this year by this time I would have this skill mastered and I think it's good to set deadlines in terms of accomplishments but I think when it comes to mastering uh, your craft and trying to be the best at whatever it is that you're working on, I don't think that there's necessarily a time frame that you should give yourself. I think it's all a matter of just making sure every day you're making progress and moving closer to the person that, you know, would be a master of whatever task it is. I don't know. That's just, that's just how I feel about it. But I also think I can see like the other side of it where people 
would want to put a deadline on getting something uh, mastered. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that that time aspect really does a person justice and allows them to, you know, really focus in on it. Because I think what happens is that they'll be more focused on the time aspect than actually making sure that, you know, they're mastering whatever it is that they're working on. And I think that's something we all fall victim to, you know, when we can think, oh, well, you know, I've been, I've been practicing X, Y, Z for about six months now. Um, you know, I, I should be, you know, an expert. But then when you kind of look at it, time doesn't really do you justice because I think it also is a factor of like the quality of the time instead of the quantity. You know, because you can be doing something for six months or a year, but were you doing it in a way that was efficient or conducive to your growth, you know? Right. What do you think? Well, I was actually going to follow up with the second question because you know about the 10,000 hour rule, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. So for those of y'all who don't know, there's this book, Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Fantastic, fantastic read. But in there... He talks about the people that truly master skills, right? So we're talking about like the 1% of like everything, athletes, musicians, artists, you know, authors, they, they've spent 10,000 solid hours, like Carl just said, they spent 10,000 actual intentional hours working towards their craft so that they can become the best. And in that, I agree with you just because I think it's very easy to put in a lot of practice without a lot of focus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I was listening to this uh, podcast by Myron Golden, and he was actually talking about the myth of having balance, right? The myth of having balance in life. And mm-hmm. he presented the idea that instead, life is a mix between having seasons of balance and having seasons of focus. And I think in relation to this, like to become a master, I think there has to be like a 10,000 hour season of focus, right? So you just can't be like, well, I'm practicing this and then I need to move away. You know, I remember I used to compete playing piano lessons. I mean, compete uh, doing competitive piano. And I remember like, if you'd asked me 10 years prior, would I ever, how long I'd sit to practice, man, I'd give you 30 minutes, 30 minutes, like 30 distracted minutes, right? Fast forward mm-hmm. 10 years later, now there's a magnitude of what I'm competing for. But suddenly, I'm putting in six, seven hours with maybe like three or four bathroom breaks, right? Mm-hmm. I'm talking about six, seven hours straight, right? Mm-hmm. Intentional, trying to get after it. The reason for that, the reason for that is because I realized I wanted to be the best at the competition. I wanted to come in first place. Now that's a personal thing because I hate losing more than I love winning. Um, So like for me, I was like, by putting in these set amount of hours and I'm practicing and it stopped and it stopped becoming about like, I need to practice seven hours. No, it was, I need to focus and get this right. And as a result that translated into six to six to seven hours. I think for a lot of us to be able to master our skills, just like Carl was saying, it can't be, I want to hit a deadline 
and therefore I haven't mastered. It's I need to master this skill. And that itself will translate itself into 10,000 hours. And by the time you put in 10,000 hours or so, as Malcolm Gladwell says, of that intentional, deep, focused practice, yo, like you're going to wake up doing this stuff in your sleep. That's an oxymoron. But you're going to, you know, you're going to just be doing this stuff in your sleep, second nature, subconsciously. You're going to be doing this stuff without even thinking about it. And I think that, right, that has to translate into our habits. It's always going to come back into that, right? Um, two weeks ago, I got the chance to be down in uh, Clearwater for a mastermind. <clears throat> uh, and my mentor, our mentor, Greg, was talking about how when times get tough, right, that's when we're really challenged. But as a result of that tough times, you either have the options of falling back into our habits well, no, we fall back into our habits and our habits can either be really solid and can keep us moving in the right direction or our habits can be really bad and move us in the wrong direction. And I think this applies because we actually, I think we actually have to practice our habits. Like we have to intentionally practice our habits. So for me, um, what I've started doing at the beginning of this month, because I told myself in 2020, right, in the year 2020, I'm going to be taking a moment to um, in the morning, kind of like write down some thoughts in this notebook, in this journal, right? In the morning. And then at the end of the day, I'm going to analyze my day. But I need to analyze my day with the mindset and the focus of what I was thinking in the morning. Because I feel like if I do it at the end of the day without remembering what I did in the morning, I might have a negative outlook, right? So what I decided to do is for the whole month of December and part of November, I got this notebook and I started doing it now. So that when January 1 comes, it's not going to be something new. It's going to be something I practice and all that's going to happen, right? As we look back, as we look forward a year from now, December 1, 2020, this would have been such a deep habit. So even if I have a rough day, guess what? I'll come back to this very solid habit and I'll read what I wrote in the morning because for me, I'm the most positive in the morning and I'll be able to reflect positively on my day and see where I need to pr improve in a positive manner. Instead of looking at it like, well, my day sucked. Things are horrible. Nothing went my way. No, like I had a set amount of goals I wanted to hit and I did certain things to get there. So that's what I have to do um, <clears throat> practice-wise with, with habits to be able to solidify that. And yeah. I think that's important because like, yo, for a lot of y'all, for a lot of us that find ourselves, because at the end of the year, right, let's be real, some of us are in school. And at the end of the, you know, not school year, but like at the end of the year, right? The calendar year, we're going into Christmas break. Nobody's really stressed about next semester. Nobody's thinking about, we're just thinking about, we just got to get it done, right? But the grind has come to such a point that by the end in December, man, it's re it really is hard. I think finals in December are harder to take than finals in like April. Right. I really think finals in December are a lot harder to take than finals in April, because in April, you probably have a more positive. Like I'm going into the summer unless you're doing like summer courts. I'm going into the summer. This feels more airy, more vacation, more happy, whatever. That's just how I look at it in December, because I live in Michigan. Snow, cold, you know, locking keys in the car like it, it's all miserable. And we're just coming out of Thanksgiving and nobody gets anything done during Thanksgiving break. And they were coming into Christmas and boom, for a lot of us, finals are in what? A week and a half? Two weeks. Two weeks, right? But if we're able to fall into the deep 
practicing habits so that when we get to these moments, we can rely on the stuff that we practiced, that we mastered to push us through. I think that's how we can end up winning. So for some of y'all, it might be being able to journal. For some of y'all, it might be able to use like a I, what I do, a passion planner and a high performance planner, right? I usually plan out every single thing um, at the beginning on Sundays, Sunday mornings, so that it doesn't mean that everything goes according to plan, but I have a very solid idea of what's happening in my week. And that allows me to be able to say, okay, well, something got knocked off, but my habits have allowed me to still be able to control and have a positive outlook. And um, yeah, that's, I realized that kind of went off rail, that kind of went off rails. But I just felt like it was important to like share that, like as much as the Fiber Crusade deals with like mastering our skills, it also has to do with mastering our habits because our habits, we determine our habits and our habits determine our future, right? Yeah, uh, no, I, I think you're, I think you're right. And I think part of it with, with myself of being able to talk about that time aspect is the fact I remember even uh, last September, I had made a goal to like read through the entire Bible in a year. And I mean, it's it's been a year and I have not read through the entire Bible, but a big part of it as well was I found myself like about halfway through the Old Testament or more than halfway through the Old Testament. And basically it was like, I kind of sat there and asked myself, I was just trying to be realistic or, or not even just realistic, but honest with myself. And it's like, okay, now you can read through this entire Bible between, you know, these next, I'd probably say at that point, the next like eight months or so. And you can do that and accomplish the goal and say, hey guys, I read through the Bible in the year. But at the end of the day, does it really matter if you're reading through it and you're not fully comprehending and you're not fully understanding what's going on? And once I, you know, took a look at that, it made me realize that I don't want to read through the Bible in a year. You know, now I just want to be able to read through the Bible and discuss what I read, you know, and and be able to dissect the the different chapters and verses and, you know, actually know what's going on. Because just because I read it, just because I read through the whole thing doesn't mean that I know what's going on. It doesn't mean that I have a thorough understanding of it. And I think that's something that, you know, translates again to that time aspect of things I was saying, because at the end of the day, you can choose to, you know, put a time limit on something. But if you're not being honest in assessing where you are and also assessing like how that is going to make you better Mm -hmm. and you're not being realistic I think at the end of the day what ends up happening is that you not only are wasting time but you're wasting 
you're wasting valuable efficiency that you could have if you would just take your time. But again, you know, I I think it does habits, like you were saying, I think does play a big part in it because, you know, once something's second nature to you, you know, and things come out of habit, that allows you to really be able to get those reps in. And, you know, like you said, with the 10,000 hour rule, um, and, and I mean, I don't want people to literally sit here and think like, Oh, have I devoted 10,000 hours to whatever, you know, my craft is because honestly, you're, I don't think you are like, you're not going to be able to measure that. You know what I mean? I think that, that 10,000 hours starts to show though at a certain point mm-hmm. when, you know, whatever it is that you're working on becomes second nature to you. Right. So I think in that aspect, once we flip it again, time is important in that, in the sense that you have to be patient with yourself and you have to give yourself time to actually grow and develop uh, whatever skill set it is that you're working on. Right. Sheesh. Sheesh. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Pastor Carlborn Jr. this morning. <laughs> no, that's real. That's real. Um, and you're right. You It has to become second nature. And that's when you'll start seeing results. Yeah. You know, you're not going to see it day one, week one. Just like working out, like, you know, it's like when people go on their weight loss journey or their workout journey, they want to gain muscle, lose fat, whatever. Other people actually tend to see the results before we do it, see it ourselves. And I think that actually is very telling of how many, maybe many of us see ourselves when it comes to our habits, how many of us maybe see ourselves when it comes to the things we're trying to accomplish. Um, and with that, I just want to leave that one there. Let's talk about the compensation portion of this. So this one um, is really important to me because this is a way of thinking I've had to change. I've had to completely turn around. Um, And this is nothing against like the culture I've grown up in or anything, but this is just more so awareness of where I have been, where I am, and where I want to go. So let's talk about compensation. So I'm going to ask you a question first, and we'll really discuss this, right? So Carl, okay. growing up, what was your view of um, money and the how to make money? Um, growing up, I would probably say I had like a basic idea. I'd probably say I just kind of thought of money as something where if you want it, you work for it Mm. and that's how you get it. You know, you go to a job and whatever job that you're working, you know, they pay you for your time Mm -hmm. and that's how, yeah, that that's honestly how I thought about it um, growing up, up until I'd say it wasn't until like my early twenties when, you know, my idea about money started to change. Right. Okay. 
cool. So now when it changed, what do you mean by that? Like, how did it change? What, what things started to happen to kind of shift your perspective of it? Um, I just started being introduced to like, uh, personal development, you know, so started reading a lot of books and, um, watching a lot of seminars and, you know, stuff like that online on YouTube. And it made me realize that that traditional way of making money is not the only way for you to make money. And it also made me realize that, uh, I would want to flip that aspect of where it was before I'm sacrificing my time for money, you know, and being able to make time work to my advantage, but more so make money work towards my advantage so that I can have more time. Okay. So now, sorry, does that answer your question? That does answer my question. Okay. So understanding that, right? So I just wanted uh, people to kind of hear that a little bit because I wanted to share a couple of things out of the book and then we'll talk about it, right? Um, So the compensation chapter, and I'm just going to read it straight out of the book so I don't misquote it because I have a ton of things I want to share. Compensation, right? Compensation means something we get for something we give repayment for a contribution that is needed and useful right so that's compensation i think man oh somebody i know somebody's going to drag me for the things i want to say but that's just because it's challenging uh the way of thinking so with compensation we have to talk about income right so for a majority of us for a majority of us as uh, one of our mentors says, everything we've learned about money is a lie, right? Um, we've been conditioned to trust, believe, and obey that the only way to get it, right, is to trade time for it or, mm, mercy, or go to school, get more education, and get more of it. Now, the thing is, I think that, especially that second one, getting more education, I think that worked out well at the beginning. But I believe that the market has become so saturated with people that have higher education. Mm-hmm. And now it's like the need for it has decreased while the continued thinking has increased. So now there's no balance. Right. This is why people that will come out after with a bachelor's degree can only work and get jobs for like 13, 14 an hour. Which, honestly, you could probably make the same without a degree. So that that's the reality we're in. That's the first thing we have to address. Right. So we've been taught that we have to trade time for money. We have to go to work and then we will get paid for going to work. Right. And the reason for those of y'all who are not aware, the only reason you get paid by any employer is to serve his or her interests. That's reality. You don't get paid because people like you. You don't get paid because you're nice. You get paid because you provide a service that serves the interests of your employer. That's it. You get paid to perform and function. (laughs) 
You get paid to perform and function. <laughs> That's really what it is. And if you refuse to perform and function, then you got to get used to being hungry. So let's talk about this. All right. Let's talk about this. Um, I think one of the things that has to start being taught is that especially, man, especially in this day and age where it used to take people 15 years to learn how to make six figures, you could learn how to make six figures in a 10 minute video on YouTube. We don't live in the 70s. We don't live in the 80s. We don't live in the 90s. So why do we continue to treat our income as if it's based upon thinking from back then? Why do we continue to treat our abilities based on thinking from back then? Because we live in 2019 going to 2020, but why are we still moving like it's 1987? Right? Because back then, people had to trade time for money. Back in the industrial age, people had to go to work at the factory and they'd get paid. And that worked. And they could go pay their college tuition for a thousand bucks a year and work a summer job and have it all. But that's not the world we live in anymore. And in the book, in the book, um, The Wealthy Gardener talks about um, how the income formula that states, the income formula is this, right? The need for what you do, how well you do what you do, the difficulty in replacing you, and how many people serve, you serve. You hear me that? Yep. The need for what you do, how well you do what you do, the difficulty in replacing you, and how many people you serve. You master these four things, you get a lot of income. I think that's very underrated. Like, when I say that, I mean, like, I don't think a lot of people really... Say, say that one more time, bro. So the income formula is simple. It's super simple, right? You find the need for what you do, right? Then it's based on how well you do what you do. Then the difficulty in replacing you and how many people you serve. These four things determine what income you have. I don't think a lot of people really like sit there and analyze that, you know, like when you talk about making money and you talk about um, being able to generate a certain amount of revenue, like everything you just said plays a big part in it. And a conversation that I've had with, with a lot of people is if there's something that you want to do, by all means, like, do it. But at the end of the day, you have to sit there and decide what is going to be the thing that sets me apart, you know? Like, when people ask me about the podcast or about my blog or um, things of that sort, and it's like, yeah, well, you know, tons of other people are doing it. And yeah, that's true. Right. But at the end of the day, like, what sets you apart? And I think that is, you know, in a nutshell, you know, kind of what you were just saying. Because at the end of the day, what makes you most valuable, you know, your the, the need 
for what you do and the efficiency to what you, you know, to how you do it are all related to that aspect of things. Um, but, but go ahead, bro. Keep going. And I think, so just a sheer fact that it's that simple, right? So it's that simple, but we are taught that we just have to go punch in, punch out and trade that time. So I think a lot of people are afraid of being an entrepreneur or they're afraid of being in charge of their own destiny or they're afraid. Like there's no security like there is in serving somebody else's interests. Matter of fact, at the mastermind, I heard something super, super interesting, right? So a lot of people echoed this uh, thought where they were like, it was a lot easier to execute somebody, a game plan for somebody else than it is to execute it for their own business. Mm. Right? Like when they were working for somebody else, they would grow the, somebody else's business. They would show up, they would market, they would talk to people, they'd pull up to doctors, they would get patients, they'd go out there, they'd do this, 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 and that. And they'd like scale somebody's business, man. But then when it came to doing it for their own, there's that fear. And it's crazy. It's crazy because I feel like if we just realize, right? So this, I'm about to have a moment. So if, if, if we, ha- we first have to research and see if there's even a need for what we, we, what we do, right? Mm-hmm. We have to find, is there a need for what we do? That's just step one. Step two, how good are you at what you do? So why did we talk about the five-year crusades and mastering skills and mastering habits? People don't pay for subpar results people don't pay for average effort people don't pay for this no they they pay for the best because everybody wants the best right and Mm -hmm. provide the best are people that have mastered their habits they've mastered their emotions they've mastered their skills they've mastered themselves they've put in hours of intentional focus to get to where they are Right. And then step three, the difficulty and replacing you. So I think this one's really special because in this day and in this age, it's very easy to be replaceable if you bring in a low value skill. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're, if you're bringing in high value skills, like, and let me just, let me just keep it real. Let me put it realistically. Let's talk about something like a welder, Right. Did you know there actually is like high key a shortage of welders in these United States? No, I actually didn't know that. Right. So there's people that are certified welders that they can pull up. Right. Say there's like a county job. They can pull up and they'll be charging like 60, 70 bucks an hour. Wow. To do a job. Why? Because one, it's very difficult to have somebody that doesn't have fear of fire. It's very difficult to go through the process of training somebody and somebody becoming certified and really good at welding. That's something that requires a lot, a lot of time, of intentional focus to be really good at, right? Mm-hmm. I know this kid like who um, in my physics class, he's a welder, talking about he... Um, got a call, needed to weld something. They're like, yo, I'll give you 200 bucks for an hour. Just, I need you to weld something for me. Wow. 200 bucks in an hour, right? 
And it's like, boom, he's there. He'll get it done and he'll go back to studying his physics. Like the difficulty in replacing you matters so much because now if you are able to hit those first three, there's a need for what you do. You're very good at what you do. And it's really hard to replace you. So somebody else does your job. Then all you have to do is increase the number of people you serve. Very true. That's it. Now let's look at it from the other side. The need for what you do. All right. And I'm going to come at somebody maybe who does a low value, who, who it's a low value skill, right? It's a very low value skill. So let's talk about our podcast. Let's talk about our podcast. So for those of y'all who've heard us shout him out, our intern, Anthony, brings a lot of high value skill, right? He, he's very good at editing the podcast. We needed somebody to get it done. And it's very, it'd be very hard for us to go out there and try to find somebody to replace him. Why? Because he's super good at what he does. And by being good at what he does, it allows us to be able to serve more people. Now, if we had somebody that wasn't good, how easy do you think it would be to replace him? Right? Super easy. We, we, yeah. just, we just need somebody else. But because he brings a lot of high value to the team, we're like, yo, you're sticking around. And that's what it is. Like, in order to increase that in, the, the income formula, we have to first pull ourselves away from that trading time for money mindset. We have to push it into, yo, we can actually get stuff done. Because think about it. Like, something I thought about on Black Friday was a lot of people are out here going to give their money to the Macy's family, to the Walmart family. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like a lot of people are spending time doing this and that and not taking care of themselves. Right, right. Did you know, and I heard this in the Tom Ferry video. He talked about there's three classes of people. There's five, five 15, and 80. That, those are numbers. So 5% of people in the world, not the top 1%, just 5% of the world have generational wealth. That's because somebody figured out the income formula, right? And by generational wealth, I mean like 5 million and more. I'm not talking about hundreds of million. Hell, it could be a million, right? Someone just figured something out, learned how to serve people, and then was able to pass that on to somebody else, gen- generational wealth. Then there's the 15%, which is the middle class, right? These are people that have their stuff paid off. They have... um things you know they're just working and they're comfortable and they're not really stressed out about bills right they're moving in a way but they're not passing money on really to the next generation what's in the 80 percent, carl everybody else yeah everybody else that has not figured out the income formula everybody else that's not taking care of what they're taking everybody else that hasn't even tried or maybe they've tried and they have succeeded but the people that are serving the interests of their employers. Now, this is not to say that having a nine to five job is bad. No, it's not. But there has to be a way where you can find a way to take care of yourself while still doing that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying drop your nine to five. I'm saying don't let your nine to five be your life. Because you cannot live a life where you just serve lenders. People get into tons of debt just to work the rest of their life to pay back debt. That's not living. Not at all. That's slavery. And for a lot of us, and I'm going to say it, and then if y'all drag me, whatever, you know our email. Um, 
for a lot of us, we're still stuck in that state of like slavery because we're just serving the interests of other people without no point finding a way to serve ourselves, to pay ourselves, to work for ourselves. That's my thought on that, man. Do you have anything else to add to that? Um, I think that was very well said, bro. Wow. <laughs> like, he finishes, John S. finishes the chapter by saying that wealth flows from a useful service that loves us back. Like, I love the quote. That just means that if you're able to find something you're good at, and, oh, Lord, if you're able to find something that you're good at, because for a lot of us, like, we already know what we're good at. We just do not have the courage to go after it. We haven't given ourselves a chance to do it. It's yeah. time. It's time to give ourselves a chance. It's time to take that step. It's time to to do the thing that you've been thinking about doing. I was um actually with uh, one of my childhood friends yesterday and well a couple of them and um we were just we went to we went to uh, one of the courts around here you know just to play ball like we used to and um some some kids came out there like like 16 17 18 year olds and it was just funny because we were like yo do you guys remember like like what we were doing when we were that age. And um, we were just kind of, you know, talking and reminiscing. And uh, one of my boys was like, you know, we got to start a business. And for me, it was very uh, interesting to hear him say that because everybody, you know, isn't always on that wave. And it was just very surprising, you know, and he was saying the fact like, you know, we're not getting any, any younger, we're just getting older. And, you know, it made me very happy to hear him talking like that. And I told them, I said, you know, guys, honestly, it's just a matter of you finding something that, you know, you love or something that you want to make it work and just go all in, you know, on trying to deliver and execute. Because I mean, at the end of the day, I think what it comes down to is you don't lose as long as you don't quit. And so if you can just keep going, keep grinding, keep making progress, sooner or later, you're going to win. You know, it's just a matter of making sure that you don't give up or you don't throw in the towel. And I think that that is like a key thing when we're discussing, you know, uh, this book and just for life in general, you know, like the only way you lose in anything is if you quit. And so it's like, you might as well just keep going. You might as well fight through the struggles and, and the pain, you know, cause on the other side of it, you know, it's promise, you know, right. victory. So I think that that's also a very, key component of it but i mean other than that 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 that's all i have really um on this topic man i think that you know the things that you said were spot on and i think they're very easy for people to you know kind of dissect and see how they can start applying these things in in their their life 
um, you know, or, or, or their schedule throughout the week. Man, that's where, you know, what you just said about not quitting. That's where those habits come in. Yeah. Like, you get so used to showing up that quitting is not even an option. Like, you yeah. don't know how to quit because all you've done for the last, like, 20 weeks was just show up. It's like somebody that runs a marathon. So I've been really fascinated. That's the kind of PT I want to be. I want to be a physical therapist that works with marathon runners. So I'm super fascinated by it. But something is like you, you, you train for a marathon. And there's people that do that intentional practice, right? They'll be doing sprinting one day. They'll be doing long runs, short runs, cold runs, hot runs, whatever. But guess what? If somebody comes out there, and says, I'm going to run five miles a day for the next six months, right? Now, they may not be at a place where somebody who's been like professionally training would be, but guess what? If you run five miles a day for the next six months, come marathon marathon time, I'm pretty solid. You're going to run most of that 26.2 miles because you're used to it. Because now the habit has been, well, let me just show up. Let me not quit. Let me get it done. Really, the only other battle you'd have to fight is a mental battle. Right. And without quitting, man, I think that's so key because like, yo, like most people do not succeed at what they want to do because they quit. It's not because they couldn't do it. It's because they decided they no longer had what it took. Like, that's it. They just decided they no longer had what it took. And... And I really want to talk about, because you mentioned your boy, like, when to start the business, man. Like, I want to talk about the benefits of having the business, but we don't have the time. So I'll just throw in a couple. Like, did you know, if you have a business and you purchase a car, you do not have to pay sales tax on the vehicle. Right? That's the thing. So whoever's listening to this, like, start. Anyway, I don't have time for that. I'm not going to plug anything. Like, just... There are so many things, actually. Ooh, Carl, 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 Carl Bourne. Let me actually share this one last thing. And this is a statistic, actually, that deals with African-Americans, right? Right. Something that even hit, like, Prince, the musician. Did you know there's a giant portion of us that do not have wills or estate plans? I did know. Right? And I think, like... I was reading about it this morning where it's like, yo, like, because a lot of us do not do that, we can't ever even hit that 5%. Like, we've automatically nullified ourselves from the general generational wealth category. So we're just stuck in the middle class. Yeah. It's crazy. We got some work to do, man. We got some work to do, man. But it starts with, like, just understanding, like, there are so many options and there's so many different ways we can take care of our future our kids our family ourselves our significant others our charities our hopes our dreams there's so many ways we can do it and it does not always have to involve showing up at nine clocking in and leaving at five or if you're doing the first second third shift life don't let somebody else be in control of your schedule Amen to that. And on that note, guys, you already know what time it is. Thank you again, as always. We love you. We appreciate you. Like, share, subscribe, 
um, you know, we do this for you guys. And remember, first you must know yourself, then you can know who you are meant to be. Stay rooted, guys. We'll see you next time. We hope that you guys enjoyed this week's episode of the Rooted Deep Podcast. We're so happy that you decided to join us this week. As we go forward, we just ask that you continue to share your thoughts with us, messages on Facebook, on Instagram, wherever you can find us on our social platforms. If you have any questions, also feel free to ask them there as well. As we go into this next week, we hope that you guys are able to just take the lessons that we've shared today, the experiences that we've shared today, and apply them to your own life so that you too can be able to enhance your own personal experience. Don't forget to be the most vulnerable version of you and just remember that you do matter and you have a story to share as well. We'll see you guys next time.